For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast. We are your hosts, Jake Arthur, here alongside Zach Hicks, and we are on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love to hear back from you guys in the form of some ratings and reviews as well, so be sure to do that for us. Thanks again for joining us today. We're just going to go ahead and answer your Colts draft questions that you sent us on Twitter. But before we get started, let's hear from our sponsors. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, everybody. So this, you know, the, the draft is next week. So there's not there's not a ton going on yet until next week, of course. Uh, so we're just going to go ahead and answer your questions today. This one may be shorter unless you guys have an explosion of questions <laughs> that winds up coming up in the next few minutes. But uh, we'll go ahead and get to it. Uh, first up was sent to me by Randy Head. He said, since this draft is deep for offensive tackle, does it make more sense to pick an edge defender in round one? Uh, assuming the top four offensive tackles are off the board by the time that the Colts pick. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, if if the value is there where edge is, you know, if the edge guys are, are more highly rated than tackle, yes, uh, they they need both of them. So I wouldn't say reach for either if, if one is ahead of the other in the rankings then. Yeah, yeah. For me, I'd personally prefer them to take edge anyway, even if I don't know who his top four tackles are. They're probably different than my top four tackles. Yeah. So, you know, it could be different. He might, I'm, I'm assuming he's talking about uh, Slater, Sewell, Darisol, and Cosme, uh, I believe yeah. is what he's probably talking about. Um, but yeah, I, I think even if Darisol or Cosme were there, I would probably prefer, like, say, like a Quiddy Pay or even maybe a Jalen Phillips, depending on you know, if the medical is checked out. Um, so yeah, like I, I would prefer an edge, but I think you and I both have the feeling and I feel like a lot of people have the feeling it's going to be offensive tackle uh, with that first pick. Uh, the Colts, again, haven't really been too secretive about that. Uh, and and I just feel like even if it, you know, if it's Darisol or Tevin Jenkins or uh, Alex Leatherwood, whoever, you know, with that first pick, I, I feel like it's going to be a tackle. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. And I think you and I have talked about this. I was on with Cody Felger last night as well. Uh, we talked about it's just, I mean, yes, both positions are very important, but I feel like it's much harder to find 
a high-end edge rusher than it is a tackle. You can yeah. get by for longer with the makeshift tackle situation, but if you can't get after the passer, there's really no hiding that. Yeah, you know, again, like I, I would prefer going for the edge. I, I just want to take as many shots as possible at athletic edge rushers and just hope you hit on one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, even if Banigou and, and Ture just don't work out, you know, keep taking those shots because eventually you're going to hit on an athletic edge rusher. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see an issue with taking a tackle round one like some people do because, you know, if you can get five years of cheap control or, you know, four years of cheap control and then a fifth year option on someone who's probably going to, who's going to be in a really, really good situation. Cause if you think about it, whatever rookie they bring in at tackle is going to be playing next to Quentin Nelson. Uh, is going to be in an offense. That's a quick pass offense. Uh, you know, having a bunch of really good running backs behind them as well. Like it's going to be a great situation for them to succeed. Uh, so if you're going to get four years of really cheap play out of that, like I, I, you know, I, I have no issue with that at all. Yeah, absolutely. That is an expensive area. Uh, next, he said, can the Colts find someone to replace Danico Autry's production or do they need to? Uh, I think they've made some moves to do that. Um, Isaac Rochelle is, is a cheaper man's version of that, or I think that's probably the plan at least. Uh, you and I have discussed Tyquan Lewis would be our preference for that role, though. Uh, let, let's see what he's got as, as the man there for the full season. Now, of course, whatever they do next week, they throw a wrench into that. Um, if, if they find a, a left-end type that they like and who could start right away, that changes things. But um, do they need to? They they need edge help in general everywhere, whether it's right or left. So absolutely. Um, they may have it right now. I would put Lewis above Rochelle, but we'll see. How about you? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's Taekwon Lewis's, you know, job to lose at this point. I think the starting strong side defensive end job is pretty much his. Uh, and even for that, you know, that rotational three-tech type thing that he's been doing the last couple of years and what Altry's kind of been doing, uh, I think that that's also just kind of the role they're going to have Taekwon Lewis play. And, you know, I think they have other guys on the roster who could kind of do a little bit of that defensive end slash defensive tackle thing. You know, Cam Klein was an undrafted free agent they brought in last year with a, a great athletic profile. So if they, if they really got to work with him, maybe he can make the roster and surprise. Uh, Robert Windsor was a guy who they drafted last year who's still on the roster. Uh, and then, you know, in the draft, you know, we talked about it the last week's show that we don't think that strong side defensive end is something they're going to prioritize early but maybe getting a guy who can play that and also play that three tech, maybe also play some weak side. So like a guy like Quiddy Pay, for instance, uh, some people see him as a weak side guy. Others see him as a strong side. I think he can play either. Mm -hmm. uh, so having a guy like that where you can kind of move him between either side, you know, Joe Tryon out of Washington makes sense as well. Peyton Turner, if you really want that complete versatility for a guy who can go inside and out, I think those guys make a lot of sense. But, you know, as, as for replacing Nico Autry's production this upcoming year, I think it really comes down to Taekwon Lewis. And, you know, luckily we saw that big jump that he had last year. If he can take another, you know, big step forward, I think he can come close to uh, repeating that production that we saw from Autry. Yeah, absolutely. And then Randy has one more. Uh, if the Colts don't sign or draft any wide receivers or tight ends, who can provide lots of catches, yards, and or touchdowns this season? Uh, do you think? the Colts would be better, worse, or about the same as last year. Right now, I would imagine they'd be about the same. There's been just such little change there, really. Um, but if, if he's saying if it's someone on the roster who can provide that, I think it's natural for Michael Pittman to make, to make the next step. Um, 
maybe Desmond Patman starts to to get some action. He wouldn't be like the top guy by any means, but really, I mean, I can really only see Pittman and T.Y. Hilton being the top options as receivers. And of course, we know Zach Pascal can be elevated into that role if um, if there's injuries. Yeah. And, you know, I can see a scenario where the Colts don't draft either of those positions, but the thing that just always stands out to me with every time that you hear Reich or Ballard or any of these guys talk this offseason is they keep mentioning playmaker at receiver or tight end they want to add. So it just it just seems unlikely to me that they're not going to add something there in mm-hmm. one of those two positions. Maybe tight end seems more likely just because they have that open roster spot there currently and receiver they have like 10 guys that are you know pretty decent currently. Maybe not, none of those 10 guys are like great, but all 10 of those guys are pretty solid right now. Uh, so you know, you, I can see them going either way, but I do think they're going to add something into either one of those groups. But, you know, if, if we don't see anything added at tight end, it's going to be Jack Doyle and Mo, uh, who are perfectly fine, perfectly solid. Uh, not going to be anything super explosive, but they can both get it done. Uh, receiver, like you said, you know, T.Y. and Pittman are going to be the top guys. Again, for the third year now, uh, Paris Campbell is the wild card. If he can just stay healthy for once, you know, knock on wood, obviously, yeah. but if he could stay healthy, you know, he can add some spark to the offense. And then there's a couple other guys who are interesting. You know, Des Patman is very interesting. Michael Harris showed some things last year that, you know, if he could make the roster, I think he can do some things. And who knows where Ashton Doolin is with his development. You know, mm-hmm. he, he might just be a career special teamer, uh, which he, he likely will be. But, you know, he showed a couple of things when he actually got on the field last year. He had that really nice catch against the Browns, uh, drew that big pass interference against the Lions. So they, they have some interesting – players in that receiver group I do think they should add someone through the draft and I think they will uh, but if they don't you know I think they'll be fine as long as there's no injuries which has not been the case the last couple of years there's always been injuries so again I think they should draft someone yeah absolutely I I, I can't imagine they don't come away with a, either a receiver or a tight end where they're taken and how big their role is expected to be is is another thing but I also kind of I was just thinking of Noah Tongi too um he's the tight end from the Eagles they picked up last year I talked to someone who covers the Eagles after that move was made and they said the Eagles were kind of pissed about Tongi getting getting picked up so So they took our whole coaching staff as yeah exactly (laughs) so yeah so I mean that's uh that's kind of interesting uh the, the Colts were able to, to take a player away from a team where that other team was really not happy about losing them. So um, yeah. could be, could be worth thing. monitoring. Oh, to say another funny thing with that too, is they pretty much brought back everybody as a receiver core and everybody, but one in the tight end group. Yeah. If they strike out on tight ends in the draft, they could just bring back the one that they don't have that they didn't have last year. And they would have literally the exact same players uh, except maybe a healthy Paris Campbell and uh, a year older Des Patman. Yeah. Uh, so it'll probably be the same. Uh, I mean, they, they seem to be in run it back territory with those, unless, you know, they draft someone, which again, I think they will. Yeah. Uh, next question is from our guy, Destin Adams. How far are you willing to trade back? Assuming it's out of round one entirely. Um, I think I'd be okay with them going back to the top of round two, but not a whole lot lower. Um, I'd, I'd have to look at who's there, but I mean, by the top of the second round, you don't know what the possibilities are because you don't know what teams have already addressed. Um, but yeah, I'd be okay with the top of the second round. Like they, they've, they've seemed to do that with like Rocky sin and, and so on and so forth. But moving from 21 to say 34, 35, 
that would get them back that third round pick they don't have um, yeah. almost certainly. So I, I'd be okay with that. The, the talent discrepancy from 21 moving down 12, 13 slots, they're going to lose out on some guys they probably like, but the, the talent difference there is not going to be enormous. Yeah. I could see like mid second round too, like say mid second. I, I don't know exactly. I can't picture all the draft picks in my head, but say you get like a mid second and somebody gives you an early to mid third as well with that. And maybe even a day three pick, you know, I could see that being fairly enticing, just more shots in this draft class. But yeah, I think the farthest we'll see them trade back will be like that mid, you know, early to mid second is what we think. And you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this when I was playing around some mock simulators how hilarious would it be if Chris Ballard trades back from say 21 to like 30, right. And mm -hmm. picks up some extra picks. And then at 30, he trades back into like 30 to like 40 or something <laughs> like that, you know, like just, and just keeps picking up those picks. Cause you know, these next two years, he's got what a total of six or uh, six picks each year. Mm -hmm. And that's Chris Ballard probably hates that. He keeps looking at it. I'm sure. And it's just like the worst thing ever. It's not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I could see him just continually trading back, uh, you know, people are going to hate it because we'll stay up all the way into like the 31st pick or 32nd pick and then he'll trade back again. But uh, yeah, I feel like he's going to trade back quite a bit here with, especially with that 21st pick. Yeah. It's, I don't want to say foregone conclusion because you never know who's going to be there at 21, but man, it just seems so likely that that 21 is not where they pick first. Yeah. Uh, next question from Amanda Ewing. What is the likely compensation for trading back four to five picks in the first round? is a second too high would they be looking at a third rounder uh second probably unless it's a team that has two second round picks and one of them is later in the second round uh but i think a third rounder would be more likely now if it's just moving four, down four to five picks um maybe like a third round comp yeah for that but i feel like that would be more of like a fourth you know like a fourth round and maybe like a late day three territory if you're yeah. like five six picks back you know which would probably be fine for ballard but i would do I, that. yeah i mean if you're only moving back four or five spots and you get an extra fourth rounder or really late third why not you know yeah i think you would have to move like 10 spots down to pick up you know a third yeah and then you probably have to go 15 to 20 to pick up an extra second with that is what i would guess that sounds about right uh i like this question here uh from jeffrey Patton. First question, Jalen Morton, do you think the Colts signed him to be the fourth down quarterback like Jacoby yeah. was last year? He is big and fast. Um, that seems rich right off the bat because, you know, he was an undrafted free agent last year who didn't, you know, didn't get any time. Right now, I think they just want to see what he's got. Um, it could be a completely blank slate for him, but I did like, I don't see him, one, even making the roster. Number two, he'd have to carve out that role. So that is pretty rich. But he is someone I'm interested in seeing. I mean, he's a big athletic uh, quarterback. I mean, we, we've, we've seen some guys like that in recent years outperform what we thought they would be as camp bodies. Um, so it, he's interesting, but no, I don't see him already grabbing that type of role. Yeah, he's competing for a spot on the practice squad, yeah. uh, which, which is perfectly fine. Like uh, we've seen guys in the past, you know, sit on the practice squad and and eventually make rosters and be backup quarterbacks in the NFL. But no, he, he's competing for a practice squad spot, uh, which I think he he has a decent shot. The Colts like to keep a quarterback on the practice squad. So, uh, you know, last year they didn't, obviously, because they had three quarterbacks on the roster. 
but they, they do like to keep a quarterback on the practice squad. I think the funniest part about that question, I, and this is not me trying to be an ass or anything here, but big and fast for Jacoby. Jacoby's not fast. <laughs> Did it say fast? Uh, I think he was referring to Morton and being big okay. and fast. Okay. Yeah, because Jacoby okay. was not. I think he was referring to Morton being big and fast. Okay. Because I I, th- I thought he said like big and fast like Jacoby. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> big like Jacoby. Well, yeah. Hold on. No, no. Well, hold on there. And honestly, you know, the better thing about having a guy like Carson Wentz, even if you're not a huge fan of him, is in those short yarded situations. Now you have a quarterback who's, you know, big just like Jacoby but is also fast and can actually throw the ball. So it, it's it's kind of like, you know, you don't even need to take wins off the field because he brings you everything Jacoby did in those short yardage, except, you know, if, if you want to throw the ball, you can you know, this year, which we saw some issues last year when they tried to throw it with Jacoby on the field. It just wasn't good. So, yeah, I don't think they need to bring in any other quarterback, uh, but Morton's interesting. I, I, I think, honestly, like if, if you had to pick the practice squad right now off guys on the roster, I, I mean, he'd be the practice squad quarterback. But uh, he's an interesting guy that, you know, if, if we have some preseason this year, I'm actually excited to see him in. Yeah, and I don't think they're dying to have a role on their roster like Jacoby had. I just think they felt they needed it because uh, Philip Rivers provided zero threat of athleticism or escapability. And um, they just loved Jacoby. So they found they decided to find a role for him. It's just not necessary this year. Like you said, um, I mean, I think we all always felt capable with how Andrew Luck could run. You know, he was big. He had ample speed. He could mm-hmm. he could move the the pile forward in in a short yardage situation. That's what Wentz provides too. There's just no need for another guy to to try and, and fill in that way. Yeah, like I'll never compare Carson Wentz to anything with Andrew Luck except right. when it comes to athleticism because Carson mm-hmm. Wentz is a good is a great athlete. Like he's a really good athlete. We've seen it over the years when it comes to you know, escaping in the pocket to making throws on the run. You know, you don't need to bring in another guy to do that because Carson Wentz is already great at it. Yep. 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 And then, okay. So next one from uh, my partner over at Horseshoe Huddle, Josh Carney, he asked, now this is a tough one. Which of these halls would you rather come away with in the first two rounds? A, Aziz Ojulari and Jackson Carmen. B, Jason Owe and Jalen Mayfield. C, Samuel Cosme and Peyton Turner, or D, Gregory Russo and Liam Eichenberg. I already know which one you're going to pick. So, which, yeah, you know me well enough where, like, these four aren't – like, the one answer I'm going to pick isn't even close to the others. Like, it's yeah. way, way higher. Uh-huh. Uh, mainly because, like, I'll even break it down like this. The, the first two have tackles that I wouldn't take in the first three rounds uh, in the, with the second pick. So you haven't warmed up to Mayfield yet, huh? Every time I warm up to him, something else, like I literally warmed up to him right before his pro day. Mm-hmm. And then he tests like terrible. Yeah. Oh, gosh. He, <laughs> and, yeah, so, no, no, I, I'm back out on him. Uh, the fourth option's fine. Uh, Rousseau, I still like a little more than most at this point, but I like Turner better. I think, or no, not Turner. I don't think, well, I'm trying to think of my big board now. I, I think I like them around the same, actually. If, so mm-hmm. if I'm getting Turner in the second, I, I prefer that. So, yeah, easily for me, I think it's Cosme and Turner. You know, you get a uh, an elite, elite athlete in Sam Cosme that you can work with. Uh, and, again, place them right next to Quentin Nelson. That's just – that's going to be just beautiful, I think. And then Peyton Turner is a guy you can do a ton with on the defensive line. So, for me, that's, that's an easy choice of picking C. I think so, too. Um, I could be – 
I could be totally, and I think D is the the next closest, like you said. A and B, I would be okay with in trade downs. I wouldn't love it at 21. Um, yeah. I, 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 I just don't think. Yeah. I, Jason Oway, while I like him, he is, he's a big project and it's yeah. too early at 21. I think Ojolari isn't quite as polished yet either. Now I'd be fine. Again, I'd be fine with taking either of those guys a little later because they, you know, a- athletic high potential defensive ends, but that's just a little rich. Um, I do like Jalen Mayfield. I'm, I'm kind of giving him my trust that he's, that, that his 2020 tape was, was pretty good. And that's a sign of his development. Um, Jackson Carmen got no problem with that. Um, like, yeah. I like, like, I think both will be okay. It's just like, if you replace it, like say you replace Eichenberg for Carmen and with the Ojolari one, Mm-hmm. then I'd be a little closer, I think. Or if you replaced uh, Mayfield with, like, Brady Christensen, then I would be a little more. You know, like, I think those guys I, I could bet on more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're already giving me a really raw pass rusher and then you're giving me a tackle who I think is kind of meh, it, it's just tougher sell for me. So, I, I yeah, easily again, Cosme and Turner. But I do like both those edge rushers. You know, Owe and Ojolari, I think, are going to be good pros if they get the right coaching. Yeah. All right, next up is from our guy, Keenan. Uh, if one of the top wide receivers fall, cough, Devontae Smith, cough, <laughs> do you think there's any chance Ballard pulls the trigger at 21? Um, what's that? Not for Smith. You don't You don't think he'd take Smith at 21? Dude, his smallest receiver he's ever taken has been like 205 pounds. Yeah. Like he is not taking 166 pound receiver. <laughs> I, I know, it's... So he is willing to make exceptions for guys who don't fit his parameters if they've got other elite areas, which Smith does. He's a fast guy, and regardless of how like skinny he is, he's the bravest guy on the field usually. Yeah. Um, God, I, I don't know if he would do it at 21 either. I think I might. Oh, I would. I yeah. definitely think at 21. I think, yeah, I think I might, but I don't know that Ballard would. Now, I think he might take him if they slid down to, like, 28 or something. Um, but, yeah. The thing is, though, like, think think about all the outliers that Ballard's taken a shot on in his career, right? Like, like Kenny Moore doesn't fit anything. But he was an undrafted waiver claim. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the corner they drafted last year, uh, Rodgers, uh, was is a complete outlier for whatever thing he likes. But he was a six-round pick. Uh, DeMichael Harris is a complete outlier for what he likes but he, again as an undrafted free agent I don't see him investing high capital in such a major outlier to what he his type of player is mm-hmm. uh, even though again Devonta Smith has all the the traits imaginable like I I, I would take him at 21 I'd take him in the top 15 maybe even the top 10 I think he's going to be a really really good pro but you know we've seen Chris Ballard again you can kind of analyze the trends with his career I, I just don't see him taking receiver who's 166 pounds, even if I don't have an issue with it, I feel like he's not going to go that low. I think the lowest, I really do think the lowest receiver he's taken is, was like 195 or something. It might be like, I think it might've been Fountain or Kane. I think Kane was 195 around that, but I think Mm -hmm. that's the slim, like the slimmest receiver he's ever taken. He likes those guys to be solid and he likes them to hold up. And, you know, unfortunately that hasn't been the case, (laughs) but you know, he, he likes the guys that have some size to them, and, and I, I just don't see him taking a 166-pound guy. Maybe Waddle, if Waddle fell. Mm-hmm. 
you know, if we're talking about top three receivers who fell, maybe if Waddle fell, which I don't think is going to happen, I think Waddle's going to go in the top 10. But yeah, I mean, obviously Chase fell, but Chase would have to do like the oh my God. gas mask thing. <laughs> but I'll do a poorly done Photoshop video if that's a thing of Jamar Chase <laughs> to get him to 21. But, you know, Smith, man, I, I, I would kill for to have him here, mm-hmm. but ah, I just don't see it. I, I, I just don't like. Ballard has surprised me in the past with some picks he's made, but I really don't see him taking 166 pound receiver in the first. Yeah. So let's look at it this way. If he's got, if he's got certain no-nos for a guy, he'll just keep letting him go. Like think of DK Metcalf, for example, like everyone passed him by, but that's a guy that set Lucas oil stadium on fire during the combine. And they still, they still passed him up and he's gone on to be a good pro. Uh, but, you know, kind of talking about that, I, I'm curious if if any of their kind of strict policies on certain guys gets bent at all, because they've not really been batting a thousand when it comes to, to edge guys or receivers in the draft. They've got some decent guys, but you can't say it's been their most successful position. So we'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. But uh, one more thing I'll add to that with receivers, though, is if you look at the receivers that Ballard has brought in, uh, you know, you can see the guys who were already here when he came in, you know, there's T.Y. Hilton's and stuff like that. Chester Rogers, I think, was here before he got there, like the smaller receivers. The guys he's brought in, Michael Pittman Jr., Des Patman, Darius Fountain, like these, these are bigger receivers. Zach Paschal, like it's, you know, six foot, but he's like 220, like mm-hmm. 230 almost. Uh, these are bigger receivers. He, he's just, that's just his type. Uh, so, again, I don't see it with Smith. I would love it. I I would buy his jersey if we got him. <laughs> I'd buy his number six jersey that he would yeah. wear. But <laughs> I, I just I just don't see it happening. No, it's uh, I would be a little surprised if if he did it just because of the the parameters. Uh, this next question from Levi Bradley: What's the beer snack lineup for draft night? Uh, so that's one part of it, and I'll get to his, his next one after. I don't. So. I'm working like, and you're the same way. It's it's nothing but working during the draft. So there's not a lot of relaxation. I'll probably eat at some point when the Colts are not on the clock. And I probably won't be able to drink heavily because I'm sure we'll be doing some sort of podcasting. I'll definitely be writing. Um, so the, the draft, it's too busy to really, to really have a nice spread. Yeah, I will say about three or two years ago, I was working with DraftWire. And this isn't me bashing DraftWire by any means. So this is why I'll actually name them in it. I was working with DraftWire and I volunteered to do their pick by pick summary. Mm -hmm. For every pick, you write like a 200 word summary and you have to get it done and published before the next pick. Oh my, what? Dude, it was the Ooh. worst writing experience of my life. And this, again, this is not on draft wire. Uh, Luke Easterling and all those guys do amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 you know, it, it was just a tough assignment and I was clearly not ready for it. I, I, I got it all done. I did. I feel like I did a good job, but it was tough. You know, it was really tough and it ruined that draft night experience for me. So ever since then, I, I like don't do anything the first night of the draft. Like I don't mm-hmm. do podcasts. I don't do writing. I just watch the draft and I chill. Uh, so the first night I'll probably just sit back with a couple Coronas and, and, you know, just, just hang out and watch the draft. Now I think Friday I'm going to be doing some kind of live stream with the cover one guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I won't be drinking too, too much just because right. I got a semi-professional <laughs> at 
about myself because if I drink too much, every time someone's picked, I'll be like, oh, this guy is awful. What are they doing? You know, I, yeah. I can't do that, you know, but, <laughs> uh, you know, first night, yeah, I'll probably just, you know, crack open a couple Coronas, be tweeting through all the, all the craziness that happens. Uh, but yeah, I, I try not to work too much on the first night because that was just, it was a tough experience. My wife was watching me the whole night, just pounding away on the keyboard. Like it, it's, it was a tough night. I, I do not envy anyone who's doing that for them this year. Um, but again, they, they do great stuff. Uh, Luke Yersling does a great job with DraftWire and, and I was happy to be a part of it. It's just, I was not ready for that. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be tough to do. That's got, again, like you said, that's not, that's not enjoyable to be working that hard. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I remember a few years ago, is the 2018 draft. Uh, this some of the Stampede Blue guys and I, we did a, a live show from uh, a brewery here in town, Metazoa. And uh, yeah, we were we were drinking during that one. We basically just streamed live each pick, and that was that was a good night. I think we did. It was yeah, we did round two and three that night. That was good. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right, and then Levi's other question: What are non-negotiable traits for prospects at positions in need? So we'll just we'll just say edge and and tackle for this being their you know probably their biggest needs. Are these non negotiable for us or for like Chris Ballard, assuming mm-hmm. we are the Colts? Uh, let's let's say both. Okay. Well, for me, I feel like at least actually at both positions, even though you could sway me a little bit more, I guess, at tackle because. I feel like there are ways to get around it as a tackle, but not really as an edge, but I feel like you have to have at least an above average baseline of athleticism, like whether that's explosiveness or, you know, agilities or, you know, something, you know, I feel like you need to be above a baseline of athleticism. Like I I use the RAS thing a lot with, um, you know, uh, with uh, Kentley Platt's, uh, you know, relative athletic score, RAS, uh, and, you know, guys who score awfully on there, like, you know, horrible pro day, horrible combine, like, I do go back to the film and watch, but I'm going to have that in mind where it's like, this guy couldn't even test well, this guy doesn't, if he doesn't look like that on film as well, it's kind of a deal breaker for me, you know, it, it's a huge thing. Jordan Smith's a great example, Jordan Smith from UAB was a guy who I really liked on film and I thought would test pretty well, uh, but I think he ran like a seven nine three cone, which is atrocious, like, yeah, just absolutely atrocious, and just... I think he put on some a, too, a little bit too much weight, so I still do kind of like him, but my dates, my like second round grade on him definitely dropped quite a bit. Because again, I'm not I'm not going to bet on outliers. Uh, statistically speaking, you know the overly athletic guys are the ones that succeed, not the under you know the under baseline athletic guys. So that's a big thing for me. Uh, attack tackle, I like to see some kind of technical nuance. You know whether it's uh, being able to replace your hands and stuff like that on film and and, uh, you know, having a wide base, you know, I want to see something there. I don't want to see completely being a project. So that's big. Uh, and then on the edge, I just like to see, uh, you know, some kind of, again, it's kind of just technical nuance with how they rush, you know, it's, it's a, uh, you know, how, how, do, what's their go-to move? Do they have a go-to move? Are they doing the same thing every single play? Again, another great example is uh, Shaka Tony from Penn state this year. Uh, great athlete does a lot of good things on film, but he's really just a speed guy doesn't do anything else like outside of dipping the edge so I think for me to to really be my kind of guy I like to see guys who can win with their technique win with some nuance on film and also score or you know be an above average athlete I think if you have those two things 
I'm typically going to be a fan of your game. Yeah, so there's – let's just say with uh, with the Colts and Chris Ballard real quick, at, at left tackle, uh, I believe they've got to have the adequate, you know, height and length. They've got to be, what, like 6'5", have the 33-inch arms. And Outside I, of Blaine Smith. But he was drafted to be a guard, yeah. though, so you almost have to throw, throw an asterisk on that. And athleticism is always a requirement if they're going to draft you in the first couple of days. Like, they're willing to bend some things on day three, but – you, like you said, you always have to have baseline of athleticism and then there's measurables as well. Um, those are kind of the main things I noticed for them, which is about any position. Uh, but my stuff for left tackle or for offensive linemen in general, really, you know, of course, there's there's technical stuff and, you know, all that. I the stuff that bothers me the most, I'll say that really turns me off about certain guys Uh their feet if if their feet yeah. are real slow if it just looks like they're treading through mud it's really hard for me to get into that and then I don't care how athletic a guy is or, or like if a lot of his film or if he like didn't have a lot of sacks I really I really have to have an offensive lineman play like an offensive lineman in order to like them they, they have to they have to have that kind of bulldog thing to them. They kind of have to have that screw loose. Now they're not all like that. They're they're not all finishers and looking to kill guys. But like, I'll give you an example of like Ezra C- Cleveland last year. Yeah, uh, tested really great, but I didn't like his tape. It, to me, it just looked like he was a good athlete that his coaches told to go play offensive tackle. It's yeah, like, you're probably capable of doing this. You're a good athlete. Just go do it. He didn't have any mean streak to him or anything. And I just think if you're going to succeed at a position like that at the next level, you have to you have to look on tape like you want to be doing it. And to me, for offensive linemen, that's the effort and tenacity. Um, Well, another thing with that, too, is strength. Uh, Like a guy who I really fell for when I was younger uh, doing this was Garrett Bradbury uh, mm -hmm. out of NC State. Just superb athlete. He could make any single block on film. And even in college, he had that mean streak, but he just didn't have the strength at all. And then we saw when he played the Colts this year and throughout his whole career at this point, that defensive tackles just drive him into the backfield. Mm-hmm. And that was a big miss for me. And it really got to me, got me thinking like, I do love great athletes on the offensive line. I love them, but you have to also mix strength with that, or you have to at least like make note of it. Like, Hey, needs to gain strength for him to be anything in the NFL. Uh, I think Danny Pinter is a good example of that too, where, he looked good in his one start last year, uh, but there were some strength issues, but he's a guy who I think is going to, you know, gain some weight, gain some strength, be fine. But yeah, to go with the mean streak thing, I do think just a baseline strength is huge for offensive linemen nowadays. Absolutely. Cause you, you have to have anchor. You can't just get pushed back like that, or it's just not going to, going to work out. Uh, oh, and, and as for edge um, guys have to have a pass rush plan. Like there's been so many edge rushers that, it seemed like Twitter and or the NFL were really high on. And I just didn't get it when I watched them, like they were productive. Sure. But it's like, I didn't understand how, how they were productive. It just looks like they're like Greg Russo is a good example. I would be okay with the Colts taking him at some point, but he, he had some numbers, but I'm just like, I don't see how it's happening. Like he's just, he's strong, but he's like slipping past guys. I don't know. I, I like to see pass rush moves and just a general plan. Like don't just run into the blocker and hope you disengage from them at some point. 
Um, <laughs> you don't like Quiddy Pay or Jason Owe then. <laughs> hey, Pay Pay can do it, but hey, no, hey, always, yeah. Hayes' issue is he just way too often he allows the tackle to get the first strike on his chest, and mm-hmm. it's over then. Uh, I mean, you could be the best pass rusher in college football. If they get that first strike on your chest, more times than not, you're, you're not going to do anything. Uh, but, yeah, pay, pay – it's not that he doesn't have a plan. It's just – it's really inconsistent. And then Owe has no plan, no no anything right. as a rusher. He, he's just a complete freak who's a good run defender. But there's, like, nothing there as a pass rusher right now. Like, he needs complete retooling there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I would say that. And then they're – you have to be athletic to be a productive edge rusher. It seems yeah. like there's, there's outliers occasionally. I'm sure I can't really think of, but yeah, in general, you have to be pretty athletic to be a successful edge rusher. Uh, Max is up next. The Colts drafting a safety earlier than expected seems to be likely. Uh, what is the mold they're looking for? If there even is one, I know you guys have some safeties you like for Indy too. So in the recent past, it seems like if they're going to have an extra guy, they more lean towards a strong safety type. Mm-hmm. But I would think if if they had their choice, like in the draft, they so they have their, their two starting safeties. Now they have the choice to just fill a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. I would think it would be a good athlete who is, is strong and instinctive in the box as well. So they don't have to be superb in any one area, but they can't be a liability in any, really. They have to be able to play in the box, and they have to have the range and instincts to play in the back half of the defense as well. Yeah, what I think is really cool about the Colts going after this third safety is it can be either mold. It can be the the strong safety linebacker type because Kari Willis is good enough to play that deep safety. Uh, or that 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 too high safety. So you don't need Curry to be in the box all the time. But if you do get like a rangy type of guy, then you could bring Curry into the box a little bit more and have him play around the line of scrimmage. So you can actually play with it and and kind of go for either type of mold. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of with you, though. I think that it doesn't have to – I don't think it's going to be like just that pure strong safety type like we've seen in the past with, with uh, Clayton Gathers and um, uh, Tavon Wilson last year. I think it's going to be yeah. – more of a guy who can kind of do a little bit of both. Uh, but there's there's quite a few guys. I, I actually love this safety class in the late day two, early day three range. I think that range for a safety is great. And that's where the Colts have found gold. You know, round three with Julian Blackman, round four with Cart Willis. Uh, I think in that round three to four range, you know, there's James Wiggins and Derek Forrest out of Cincinnati. Uh, Tyreek Gillespie, which I know the Colts are really, really high on him uh, out of Missouri. Uh, Joshua Bledsoe as well out of, out of Missouri. He could play a little bit of both. Um, uh, Divine Diablo, which is the coolest name ever out of Virginia (laughs) Tech. Uh, he's also like a 200, I think he's like 220, 230, so he can play even more of that linebacker type role. Uh, but he's also a good enough athlete to play over top, so yeah, they they can go so many ways with it. But I think that late day two, early day three, a guy like Forrest or Gillespie or Wiggins, uh, I, I just think it makes a lot of sense for them to grab that third safety, especially if they trade back in the first. Yeah, I, I think it would allow them to be a little more multiple on defense. And I, I think we've seen in the past that uh, Matty Verflus would like that. Next up from Tyler Christian, I'm shocked how little the linebacker position is being discussed going into the draft. Nearly half of them on our depth chart will be free agents next year. Uh, a lot are special teams centric too. Is it worth using a mid-round pick to ensure better depth on the defensive side? Uh, I could see it happening. I don't think I'd love it early. I, I wouldn't want it until day three. 
but like you said, Zaire Franklin, Matthew Adams, um, Sky Moore, it's hard to see being around a long time. Uh, Jordan Glasgow is probably mostly special teams, but yeah, I mean, the linebacker position for the Colts could look very different next year. Um, so yeah, day, day three, that would be fine with me. Yeah, you know, I, I could probably be talked into if they took Baron Browning or Jimin Davis or Jabril Cox there at the top of the second or, you know, the top of the second that traded back. You know, I could be mm-hmm. talked into it. I think all three of those guys are great players, so I could be talked into it. But I think, again, it's more likely that you see like a late day two, early day three type range for a linebacker. If they go at like a Derek Barnes out of Purdue would make a lot of sense, especially because he can play off the off the edge as well as so you can kind of fill two needs with one but uh yeah I think linebacker is a need I, I think I mentioned it a couple times uh, it doesn't really need to be a sandbacker even though that's the one that they have a, a gap in currently uh but I think you know getting another guy who can who can cover and you know can be in pass coverage a bit I think would be would go a long way because right now you're looking at Bobby Okariki who's good in pass coverage you got Darius Leonard who is good in their limited role they give him in pass coverage. But outside of that, I don't think you really have a, pa- a good coverage backer on the roster. Uh, so if either one of those guys were to go down, you are you would have kind of a liability there in pass coverage. So I think getting a guy on day three who can move around a little bit uh, and, and, you know, cover uh, from the linebacker spot, even if that is a guy like, say, Divine Diablo or or Jacoby Stevens, who are kind of safeties who, play, who can play a little bit of linebacker. Uh, I think that makes sense, but... Uh, yeah, I, I definitely see linebacker being a need, and and I never put it past Chris Ballard to draft a linebacker. You know, every every ounce of his being wants to draft a linebacker every single year. So yeah. I, I wouldn't – that linebacker and corner are the two positions that Chris Ballard will always take shots on. Uh, he, he's always done it. So if he took, you know, one of each of those positions again on day three, it wouldn't shock me. And that's surprising because those aren't often considered critical positions, but – if it's, yeah, think, if it's positions he feels passionately about, then that's all right, I guess. Well, if you think about it, like, he might not view them as just, like, I guess, like, super, super vital positions. Mm. So, he, he, in his mind, it's probably like, hey, I'll, I will spend a second or a third on these type of guys, but I'll also take a ton of shots. So, if I do find a gem, then this position's kind of covered with a guy that I didn't have to pay much for. That, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, kind of brings us to this next question from Jeff Q with TJ Carey now re-signed as cornerback off the board for this year's draft. Uh, the cornerback room feels full between Xavier Rhodes, Carey, Rocky Sin, Kenny Moore, Marvell Tell, and Rogers. Uh, it definitely, the, the cupboard is pretty full there, but it's not off the board. No position really is ever off the board. Um, I honestly could still even see them take one and, and, the first round if, if it's like Greg Newsom or uh, JC Horn or something in that instance. Oof, that's, that's curious. Cause someone's not going to play much, but in that instance, just kind of picture it. Um, Xavier Rhodes is gone after the year. He's, he's only got a one year deal. So you have this new kid starting next year that you think uh, Rocky Sin is still around. Hopefully they know more about him. Carrie, I think is a one year deal too. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of people in the room right now, but it's not necessarily the same for next year because maybe they're ready to move on from Rocky Sin after this coming year. Who knows? Um, things could look a lot different in 2022. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Chris Ballard, if you go back to his Kansas City days, has taken, I want to say it's 12 corners and seven drafts or 10 corners and seven drafts uh, total. 
takes a lot of shots at cornerbacks. So it, it's definitely not off the board. And, and honestly, I definitely would say it's in play on day three. Uh, and, you know, a big thing to, to look at with, with the draft and with the cornerback roster, kind of like you said there, with like say a TJ Carey, for instance, uh, you know, you, you could take a corner on day three and if, TJ Carey and Rogers have a better training camp than, or uh, not TJ Carey, the day three corner and Rogers have a better training camp than Carey. You could cut Carey and yeah. just move on because he's a one year deal uh, for, I think, like two million. Uh, so there's nothing really set in stone with that. You can always add guys and add talent, add competition. Uh, Rogers shouldn't even be, a, you know, considered a lock by any means because he was a six round pick. He showed some good things, but, you know, he's a six round pick. If you bring in a fourth or a fifth round guy, you know, who shows better than him in training camp, you know, you're just moving on from a six round pick. So, you know, it's, it's nothing set in stone whatsoever. Uh, Who knows what Marvell tell status is right now with him being gone for a year and and he was a fifth round pick. So, you know, nothing's, nothing solidified. There's always room for competition and Chris Brown loves taking corners. So I could definitely see him taking a corner in this class. Mm, Absolutely. Uh, Let's see. Do you, now we can spend a lot of time on this, but we we won't but uh do you foresee any colts players switching numbers this season with the new rule change and which <laughs> numbers do they take so for those of you not you that don't know uh the nfl passed today that it basically opens up a whole lot more possibilities for certain positions to wear new numbers uh so yeah i i think they will now it's interesting because i always thought there was a rule where like a player can't change numbers twice within like a year or something like that. I would kind of, I think it's for, for merchandise purposes. Yeah. Um, I, w- I kind of wonder if there's any rules in place now, if they just pass this rule, you've got to think that got like, there's going to be a ton of new numbers across the league now. With the numbers though, like, man, yeah, you're right. We could go into this forever. Like I, and the one I put on Twitter was I think I think Paris Campbell should change his number just because 15 is unlucky for him. Yeah. Like because again, no, it wasn't an injury plagued person at all in, in college or in high school by any means. And then when he gets to the pros, he gets all these freak injuries right after another. Like just just change the number, start new, you know, maybe go to a single digit. Des Patman wearing a single digit would be great. Get him at like number three or something stupid, like or number four, I guess, because I think Rodrigo is is uh is three i don't know just just get more single digits get more goofy numbers like i'm ready for it i love that receivers can wear numbers in the 40s now i I, i'm so (laughs) i'm so excited for it i i want to see a receiver wear like number 48 so bad like oh that's gross (laughs) i need this so i need it i i I really need like like ashton doula needs to wear like number 48 or something it'd be great be amazing oh my god like I, just some special team receiver who rarely plays <laughs> on offense needs to put like a number in the forties on It'd be great. Or linebacker needs to go in the single digits. That'd be I want to see, see linebackers in the single digits. Like, Oh, e, so EJ speed is like as skinny as a receiver. So he should just wear like number, like, like five or something. Nine. I kind of like nine for a well, linebacker. I think that's Eason. Uh, I don't know. Probably. Don't yeah. Know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, whatever. That's, that's a whole nother thing we're not going to get into. Easton can wear, you know, a different number. We're going to put EJ Speed at number nine. It seems like a good time to get get into uh, some of our advertising now and some of our sponsors. What do you say? <laughs> 
All right, so support for our podcast is brought to you by Just Live, a trusted source for high-quality wellness and CBD products created by athletes just for you. I'm sure you can agree, Zach, but with the draft prep pretty much never-ending this time of year, drowsiness, stress, and focus can be an issue. That's why Just Live came out with their new CBD gummy line. They have six different flavors and functions, including sleep, energy, focus, immunity, calm, and vitamin C. Plus, they're vegan and low sugar. Just Live was founded by professional athletes Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, Travis Pastrana, and Paul Rodriguez because they wanted to create a CBD product that they could trust and could stand behind. If you need support with sleep, focus, energy, stress, or immune health, I highly recommend giving these a try. Right now, if you buy one of their new gummy products, you get one free. There are six different benefits to choose from, and instead of choosing just one, visit justlive.com and use the code SUPPORT to buy one, get one free. Buy one, get one free of the new gummy line with the code SUPPORT at justlive.com. That's buy one, get one free, justlive.com. Use the code SUPPORT. Jake, buy one. Get one free. Yeah. I know you love that line. <laughs> I love it. I guess it's, it's, hey, repetitive, just get it in the brand there. You know, buy one, get one free. You know, I, I'm only saying that in my sleep now. That's right. Now, see, we've also got another new advertiser, uh, Kanan. So, Zach, I wear glasses, so sunglasses aren't normally something that's my jam. However, for people like me, it's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Kanan. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger. And Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code KananCast15 at Canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canon, clearly better. Dude, I'm learning how to spell with these ads. I'm, I'm, I'm repeating phrases. This is like, this is like, like elementary school again for me. And I really needed this. I'm, I really appreciate it. <laughs> it's making us better people. It's making us better people. Yeah. So we'll roll into another question. And this is, this is a lifelong debate. Is a hot dog a sandwich? I say no. I, I'm like violently opposed to someone asking if hot dog is a sandwich. So I always answer this the same way. I think sandwiches are good, so hot dogs are not sandwiches. Oh, you're not a hot dog person. Hot dogs are awful. I don't like pork, though. I don't like. Oh, uh, okay. I'm like. I think it's a religious thing. Like one of the religions doesn't eat pork, and I'm somehow that religion now because I just don't eat pork. Like okay, punching your card. All right. <laughs> I'm punching <Yeah>. my card. <laughs> with that out, of, with that out of the way, we both say no. Uh, let's see. What is your favorite Marvel movie or show and which one are you most looking forward to coming out? Um, I'm not, I honestly have never gotten into any of them. Have you? I was big up until I want to say Ant-Man and I really liked Ant-Man, but after that, all the movies just kind of felt the same to me. You know, all lighthearted comedy action movies with uh, a pretty similar origin story and, kind of the same stuff goes on doesn't really push the boundaries with anything uh so i don't know i i like the couple of the ones i've seen since then like i like black panther and i like the infinity war movies but i don't know the shows have been okay as well uh i i liked wandavision just because the acting was good mm-hmm. uh, i'm 
getting through the the Falcon and Winter Soldier one, I think it's I think it's okay. Like it's nothing nothing amazing. So I wouldn't really say I'm too excited for. I don't even know what's coming up because that's how little I pay attention to it now. But you know, I, I catch a movie. I catch one of the movies every now and then. I think they're fine. Uh, they're it's just kind of like I don't know. It's kind of the same thing every time for me. And maybe that's just me as a viewer. I don't know. Mm. But I'm, I'm sure other people will vehemently like fight me on that. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure. I, I just I, I don't know. For me, it just all kind of seems the same. I kind of like more of like the I don't want to say like raunchy, but like kind of like the the darker superhero stuff like the boys on amazon on amazon prime like Mm -hmm. that's my kind of superhero content right there and and marvel will never touch that type of thing uh but like the boys that's you know i'm excited for the boys next season to come out that's what we want to talk about like that's (laughs) that's a plus right there or umbrella academy on netflix that one's good too okay yeah the I think the only Marvel one I've seen, at least a recent one, is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. And I say recent as in they just started doing this whole Marvel thing over the last like 10 years or so. Yeah. Um, but I've actually seen more DC stuff. I, I love the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. I, I'm very much in that. I've seen Deadpool. I think that's DC also. No, Deadpool is Mar- uh, Deadpool is Fox. But Marvel, but Marvel. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I think Deadpool is actually transitioning back to Marvel going forward. I okay, think. it was yeah. in whatever one has the X Men. I think. Yeah, that's Fox, but it's under Marvel, but it's Fox. Okay, gotcha. It's weird. Okay, uh, next question from Dustin: Who is this year's high-profile prospect that will turn into a bust? I mean, I can see a lot of the top guys. Like, I feel like the easy answer is one of the quarterbacks. Yeah. I don't know which one. They hardly um, ever all pan out. You know, I, you know, I'll say I, I feel like I might get some hate for it, but I'll say I think Zach Wilson's going to be a bust. I, I, I think he's a good prospect. Like, I'd take him top five. I think Zach Wilson's awesome. But just every time I watch him, part of – like, I watched a lot of BYU offensive line the other day because – I was watching some late round prospects and they have two offensive linemen who are in this draft who are going to be like day three picks. Uh, so I was watching a ton of them and man, I, I, there are just some times when I watch this film, I just don't see it. Like he gets very narrow focused on, on one read and he'll stay on that read. And people don't talk about that with him because it's an issue for Justin Fields and Trey Lance. They don't talk about that with Zach Wilson. Uh, he's got a really, really natural, like, outfielder quarterback you know type of arm where he can sling it everywhere but he just makes these stupid decisions so often uh he kind of invites chaos even though he had one of the best offensive lines in football uh so there's just so many aspects and then you know you could also throw in the injury history with him too which is a a major turnoff for a lot of teams i'm sure even though he's going to go second in this draft like injury history is always a thing that you have to be a little concerned of uh but yeah, I don't know. Like, just there's something about him that just screams similar to a lot of busts we've seen. Uh, but there are also aspects of him that, you know, I think he can be a good NFL quarterback. So I'd still take the shot on him. But I think he's got the highest chance to bust out of all the top four quarterbacks in this draft. Yeah, I really like him. But that I think that was going to be my answer to as far as bust potential goes. Uh, now, he's played more in a season, but 
some of these some of these guys are really we've only seen them for one year now he's only had one tremendous year um mac jones really i mean now he filled in for tua i think mac jones there's there's a possibility there he's probably he actually he probably will go as high as the others um but yeah only one year surrounded by like the most elite talent possible I mean, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith this year. Last year he had Judy as well. So, I mean, sur- surrounded by guys, Trey Lance, of course, to such a small sample size. And both him and Zach Wilson come from not the greatest competition. So outside of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, I think the bust potential in those other guys is high. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I, I do like those guys. There's stuff I like about all three of them. Uh, yeah. But I think the potential – the bus potential those are the first guys you got to look at yeah i'm sure wilson will be fine too it's just so i don't know every now and then i'm watching his film and just aspects of his game just irk me a little bit and i keep thinking like man like i don't know i don't know it's it's probably just me being an asshole grader that's what i i usually attribute it to i hear you now we got one more question <laughs> we're checking in on zach hicks hair on this one he said i'm working on my bucket list since i'll likely be gone in nine months any ideas so if you could do one more thing with your hair before it goes away what would you do shave it off oh baby all right that's a power move (laughs) no um we're gonna we're gonna go mohawk right before we completely shave it off oh nice okay yeah we're gonna cut it in half we're gonna do we're gonna do reverse mohawk yeah is that Fat in the front, skinny in the back, like how that reverse mohawk is you only shave right down the middle. Oh, that's and really something. <laughs> leave the side. Kind of like a... play around with like your mustache and beard when you're shaving it. Yeah. Put, like really weird things. It's <laughs> kind of like a that's like a demented male pattern baldness, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be fun. It'd be yeah. fun. Look, look, we'll have a lot of fun with it if Again, because in this scenario, Carson Wentz is top 10 in DVOA. So we'll have a ton of – I'll record it all. Yeah, Um, it's got to be filmed at this point. Oh, dude, it would totally be filmed. It'll probably be my highest viewed, like, YouTube video I post. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely going to be filmed if it happens. And, again, I'll be excited the whole time because that means the Colts are probably in the playoffs and actually look like a legit team, you know, going forward. I like it. Yeah, I think we're all on board for that. And that's all she wrote for today, bud. Um, that is it for today's show. Please remember to subscribe to the show and give us a rating and review. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts. Me personally at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. Zach is on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Hicks too. And be sure to follow his written work on Stampede Blue and Cover One. Mine can be found on Sports Illustrated's Horseshoe Huddle. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online, Just Live, and Canaan. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcasts, please contact them at Believe.com. If you're interested in advertising on just this show specifically, just shoot us an email. You'll hear from Zach and me again next week on Draft Week. Have a good one. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.